This California native with Mexican roots often turned a football field into a bull ring. Although in him, there ran the blood of the bull. He's the only offensive player I ever met, a quarterback who would attack defensive players. I mean, you would charge at him, didn't have to run wood. Some form of challenge is necessary on every play that you play. And if you don't come up to that line of scrimmage as a quarterback ready to challenge that defense, uh, uh, they're going to eat you up. And welcome back to uh, Sports Talk. Doug Miles with you and uh, our uh, colleague uh, Don Henderson not with us tonight. He's out in Las Vegas this week. So uh, well, uh, I know uh, uh, he uh, misses uh, talking a little football. We're going to talk football and kind of some vintage football on uh, this segment of the show. 50 years ago, uh, just about a couple of weeks ago as we talked to you tonight on uh, a Monday night, uh, January 27th was a Super Bowl four, which featured the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and the uh, Minnesota Vikings and uh, two great teams, Matched up in that Super Bowl, Kansas City came out on top. But boy, one of the uh, the great quarterbacks, one of the great teams of the, the late '60s and through the '70s was the Minnesota Vikings, and uh, they were quarterbacked uh, back in uh, 1970 and 6970 uh, by a great quarterback named Joe Cap. We're going to talk to his son right now, who has written a book called Joe Cap: The Toughest Chicano: A Life of Leadership. New book that uh, just came out a couple of months ago tells a really interesting and inspirational story about uh, his dad. And JJ uh, Cap joins us today from out in uh, Northern California. And uh, J.J., real pleasure to talk to you. How are you tonight? I'm great, and thank you for having me on the show. We really appreciate it. Yeah, great to have a chance to talk with you. As we mentioned before we uh, went on, uh, I just kind of uh, was looking up, uh, you know, maybe who's available or what was going on, because I remember in 1970, that was the first Super Bowl I ever remember watching on TV. I was uh, a young child of uh, about eight, eight or nine years old, and that was the first one I saw, Kansas City and uh, Minnesota, and I remember watching your dad, and uh, he really became one of my early favorite quarterbacks, uh, even though they didn't win that game, but I remember watching in some of the games earlier that year, and uh, he was uh, a tough guy, and uh, you talk about that in the book, really had kind of a, a tough uh, life in a sense, but uh, turned it around and made a great career for himself. So I guess that probably was the inspiration for the book, right? Well, it, it was. Uh, it's a little bit of an interesting twist, though, because uh, 20 years after uh, that 69 season, uh, which is the Vikings' first Super Bowl season, he wrote a book, uh, with Ned Averbuck, who's one of the co-authors, about that season, but it was never published. Mm. So that sat on the shelf for a long time, uh, but it's very detailed. It's very, uh, it's got a lot of insight into that season and uh, what what it took for that team to come together to be a champion, and not only a champion that year, but a, a perennial champion for years afterward. Um uh, but we surrounded that book, that story, with his life story. And so uh, it's all there. Uh, the 69 Vikings, uh, the genesis of the Vikings' successful winning tradition, as well as uh, what Joe brought to it, and uh, uh, also about his life, which has uh, been, you know, very unique and, uh, as you say, inspirational to a lot of people. And, uh we're we're really proud of the book and glad that it's out. And uh, we would have liked to have seen the Vikings take on the Chiefs this year instead of the 49ers <laughs> for a nice uh, a nice 50 year reunion. But uh, 
the Chiefs made it, and it should still be a great game. I was kind of hoping for that myself, uh, J.J. Uh, uh, I didn't think uh, they would do it out on the road. when It was a tough task, but that would have been great to, to have that kind of uh, bookended, right, 50 years apart, and, and maybe the Vikings are winning it. Uh, but uh, that would have been nice. But, uh, yeah, those that was such a great matchup. Before we get into that a little bit and then more about your dad, I should say, uh, Joe Camp, the only uh, quarterback uh, who quarterbacked in the Rose Bowl, uh, the Great Cup. A lot of people don't remember that he was a great quarterback in the Canadian Football League and, of course, a Super Bowl four. So uh, uh, a lot of great accomplishments your dad had in football. Yeah, he, he was uh, kind of known as a, a tough guy and a brawler, but he was an accomplished quarterback. And really the main thing is he was a winner. Any place that he was uh, playing for three years, they were in a championship. His third year at Cal, they were in the Rose Bowl. Uh, his third year with the BC Lions, they were Grey Cup champions, and and then uh, his third year with the Minnesota Vikings, they were in the Super Bowl. They hadn't they hadn't even been in the playoffs before Joe showed up. So he knew how to win. He knew how to uh, get people to 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 work with him and work together. And uh, Alan Page says that in the foreword of the book. You know what's the biggest contribution Joe Cap made? Well, he. He brought us together as a team, and uh, any any coach or any any successful player will tell you that's what it takes to win. You got to be together. It's the ultimate team sport, and uh, that was really what his um, his special recipe was to get people to work together. I know a lot of people again forget that uh, Fran Tarkenton. They knew him as the Vikings quarterback later on, but he was the quarterback originally, and then uh, they traded him after about I guess four or five seasons to the New York Giants, and then uh, that's when your dad uh, came down from Canada because I, I guess Bud Grant knew him from up in Canada, right? Uh, obviously, and brought him yeah, in to had, quarterback had, the team. Right. They had many battles, and uh, Bud definitely knew what Joe could do, and. Uh, they needed a quarterback. They needed a leader, and so that, that's how it happened. Uh, Fran Tarkenton was never at the Vikings at the same time as Joe Cap, but um, obviously uh, the first uh, real success uh, as far as the Vikings as a, as a perennial champion started in 1969 with that championship season and Joe leading them uh, leading the charge. See, it did get off to a rocky start, like like you mentioned. The, the Vikings were not a, a great team, obviously. They were still basically an expansion team for most of the uh, you know mid '60s, and then uh, Joe came in, had kind of a rough first uh, year, year and a half, and then that's when he started to really kind of put it together, uh, got the team around him, like you said, a, a natural leader. And then that '69 season, boy, one of the uh, really one of the great seasons any quarterback's ever had in the NFL. Yeah, he. Uh, that's right. Uh, the '67 season was rough. Uh, three, eight, and three. I think uh, next year they were in the playoffs, eight and six in '68, uh, but lost to the Colts. And then uh, the very next year, '69, they they really turned it on. He didn't uh, start the first game because uh, uh, he had been injured in preseason. Mm-hmm. Gary Quazzo had a pretty good game against the, the Giants, a really good game, actually, but they lost in the last second. Uh, the second game was against the Colts, and uh, my dad didn't think he was going to start the game, but Bud came to him in the beginning of the week, said, you're starting, and uh, he went out and threw seven touchdown passes in that game to tie an NFL record, which stood for about 40 years. Um 
until it was tied again by uh, by Peyton Manning. Uh, so they put out a lot of offense to go with that tremendous Purple People Eaters defense that year, and uh, uh, it was really something special. Like you, that was the first Super Bowl that I remember watching. I was just a year younger than you, but uh, uh, the Vikings had a mystique, you know, playing outdoors in the cold and the snow, and Joe was already an expert at cold and snow from playing eight years in Canada. <laughs> uh, so he fit right in, you know. He's a, as good a bad-weather quarterback as ever played, probably, because he played in so much of it. But uh, that team uh, that team made the Vikings brand, you know. that that's uh, They were tough, they were rough, and uh, they, they actually scored a lot of points that year. And they really made the brand uh, that, that has lived on through a lot of success over 50 years. Joe Cap always managed to mix laughter with victory. He led California to its last Rose Bowl in 1959, before going on to win the Canadian Football League's Grey Cup championship. With Bud Grant, he came to a losing Viking franchise in 1967. There, his sense of humor was sorely tested. Viking fans held their breath every time he lofted the football. His passes had nothing more on them than the commissioner's signature. But more often than not, they were caught. And the Vikings found a leader in this gutsy quarterback who never ducked a linebacker's punch on the field or off it. In 1969, Cap rallied the Vikings to a come-from-behind win over the Rams for their first-ever playoff victory. One week later, he personally crushed Cleveland for the NFL title. A game best remembered for the indelible mark Cap left on the Browns' defense. Take one. Talking with uh, J.J. Cap, the son of uh, Joe Cap. The name of the book is The Toughest Chicano, A Life of Leadership. And, uh, J.J., I was, I was happened to find on YouTube, I was glad to find not too long ago, they actually, somebody must be finding these old football games. There's a lot of great vintage football being put up on YouTube. And they, they had the game with the Vikings and uh, Browns in the playoffs uh, in the 69 season. So you really got to see the whole game and your dad in that game, which uh, not just highlights, but the full game. So it was fun to watch that. Have you seen that lately? Yeah, I have, and uh, it is fun to watch that. It's amazing how much old stuff that you can that you can get. Um, but uh, yeah, that's fun to watch, and you can see how tough these guys were, um, and and you could see how much tougher the weather conditions were. You know, oh yeah. Now the fields are pristine, and uh, many of them are uh, you know field turf, and they, they don't have the mud and the, and the <laughs> snow and the and the and the, the rain problems that they used to have to deal with on a regular basis. Old Metropolitan Stadium. I mean, uh, the classic games there with uh, not only the the cold weather but also snow. I mean, a lot of ga- you don't see any snow games anymore. Very rarely, uh, but there was always three or four snow games with the Vikings back uh, back in the day. Yeah, and it was uh, you know they reveled in it. Kind of, it was an advantage. You know, these teams like the Rams would come in and. Uh, they had their big orange mittens on and heaters, and Grant wouldn't allow any of that, and uh, it didn't matter. No, no heaters either, them. right? He wouldn't allow heaters no on the sideline, Bud Grant. <laughs> no heaters on the sideline, and uh, these guys, they, they, they toughed it out, and uh, they won a lot of games that way. 
You mentioned your dad's toughness, and again, uh, you know, for people who haven't seen it, uh, you know, check out the game uh, games you can find on YouTube because uh, your dad uh, wore really basic, kind of the basic helmet with the I guess the one uh, uh, you know bar across, and uh, and he would be not afraid, not afraid at all to just run it right into the line himself like a running back. I mean, you don't see quarterbacks do that anymore. No, he was really kind of, uh, you know, people forget when he got to the Vikings, he was a 10-year pro, or by the time it was the, uh, the Super Bowl season, um, having played in Canada. Um, but he played in college when you had to play both ways by rule. So he was, not only was he a quarterback, but he, he played safety on defense, and he really, uh, you know, thought it was important to be as good a safety as he was a quarterback, and uh, he took a lot of pride in being a being a, a, a hard nosed football player, and, and never wanted to be uh, thought of as a as a sissy quarterback, so to speak. <laughs> Now, he may not have thrown the, the prettiest ball, and he admitted that himself, but, boy, he, he, he found a way to get the ball there, didn't he? <laughs> well, he did. Uh, he's kind of unconventional. Uh, going back to Cal, he was actually the leading rusher uh, because they ran an option offense right. his senior year. Um, so, you know, he, he took a lot of pride in being able to do all the things that uh, he was ever asked to do, but threw for a lot of yards up in Canada. He's a Canadian League Hall of Famer and uh, didn't didn't only play in the NFL for four years, but um, obviously was was very successful. And you you know you talk about toughness. He he knocked Jim Houston out of that Cleveland That's game right. that you mentioned yeah. uh, with a run because there's no way he was going to slide right. <laughs> and uh, but he got kind of lucky and caught Jim on the on the chin and uh that that's a highlight that is kind of uh lasts forever and uh this other thing i didn't get in the book which i'd like to mention because it just kind of takes home how unique and tough a guy he was gino capoletti the great uh boston patriot player who he played with for one year said that Two of the hardest hits he ever saw was after Joe threw interceptions and went and tackled the guy who picked him off. So, <laughs> you know, you don't you don't see that much. You don't see the quarterback making too many tackles. But uh, he took a lot of pride in being a complete football player. And uh, even though it wasn't conventional, that's, uh, that was kind of his way to lead by example. Because when other football players saw the quarterback doing stuff like that, they tended to to follow and be willing to sacrifice as well. Great. Uh, like you mentioned, the, the highlight of that, you can see it on the uh, full broadcast of that Cleveland game where uh, uh, he makes the tackle and uh, and Joe is just standing there. The guy's on the ground looking, and Joe looks at him and you know, makes sure he's you know still alive, I guess, but <laughs> he walks away. I mean, hey, that's football, right, back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a rough game. It's a tough game. And, uh, you know, these guys have paid, paid a heavy price, but uh, – uh, he has no regrets, uh, but you got to recognize how how debilitating it is. Yeah, we'll get into that in a minute because your dad is uh, uh, suffering some of the effects of that. We'll get into that uh, in just a couple of minutes. I just want to mention a few more things about uh, about Joe's career. Uh, kind of a, a contract situation after the '69 uh, season, right? Uh, I don't know if it was with Bud Grant himself or with the general manager, but then he winds up going to the Boston Patriots and uh, and didn't quite quite work out well there. Do you shed any light on what happened with the Vikings? Why he didn't come back? Well. 
his contract was up. He had no contract, so it was time to uh, get a new contract, and he was basically offered the same contract as he, he had uh, for the first three years there. So he held out, mm-hmm. and uh, the Vikings uh, didn't want to pay, uh, didn't basically didn't want to pay a raise, and so it was an impasse, and uh, what ended up happening is he signed with the uh, Boston Patriots, who then because of the Roselle rule, which he later challenged, uh, had to compensate the Vikings, um, even though he wasn't under contract with the Vikings, but that's how the old system worked. And um, he ended up with the Patriots and signed a, signed a big contract with them, and uh, they hoped he would uh, instantly turn that team around. And, of course, it doesn't happen instantly, right? And right. so... Uh, he played there for a year, uh, took a lot of beatings. Uh, they were not a very good football team. But uh, when he went back to training camp the next year, uh, they locked him out. The NFL locked him out because he hadn't signed a standard player's contract. And the standard player's contract was a contract that uh, set up the rules that I just described to you about uh, not being able to essentially be a free agent. Right. Uh, being subject to the Roselle rule and uh, all those things. And so uh, he didn't sign that contract because it, uh, when he signed with the Patriots, there was no collective bargaining uh, agreement in place. And and so he didn't see why he should sign that contract. He didn't see uh, how those rules were helping him or any other players. So they kicked him out. He sued the National Football League, won a summary judgment uh, where they found that the Roselle rule and, and many of the other rules were in violation of the antitrust laws. Um, and uh, eventually went to trial for damages. The jury found no damages. Uh, and But by that time, his, uh, his career was over and he was out of football. But he has no regrets about that. You know, that case led to uh, much better conditions for players. It took a long time, but uh, there is uh, forms of free agency now. The players get a much greater share of the uh, of the pie, so to speak. And, uh, you know, he feels proud to be a part of, uh, you know, standing up for that. Uh, but that's what happened, and that's, that's – uh, that's how he only ended up playing a year for the Boston Patriots. Yeah, I was going to say, your, your dad really is uh, the football version of uh, Kurt Flood. I mean, he, he challenged, it wasn't called the reserve clause, but basically from what you described, it almost was, and uh, no free agency, and, and your dad stood up to it. And uh, like you said, like Kurt Flood lost his case originally. I uh, don't understand that still, but your dad at least won that case, got some precedent anyway. So I don't think people realize uh, how important your dad was to uh, – the football. I mean, uh, people think about you know the on-the-field activities, how great he was, but uh, the off-the-field uh, probably more important, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, uh, again, it's a legacy of leadership. I mean, leadership is you know doing things that are sometimes unpopular, doing things that uh, show that you care about the team and others more than you care about yourself, and. Uh, obviously he had his own personal reasons to, to want to challenge the NFL, but, uh, 
he also felt like, you know, somebody had to stand up to the other guys. And so uh, that, that's a tremendous legacy. And you're right. Most players don't know anything about it. Uh, but it was exactly the same stand uh, and, and the same sacrifice that Kurt Flood made in baseball. So it's it's good company to be with. Absolutely, sure. yeah. I remember when they won the 1969 NFC title game against Cleveland, and Carl was up there waving his fist, and he said, Joe, he said, you're my brother. And he meant it, and he was crying. And Joe was crying, and he had this big... Joe had this big bottle of champagne in his, and he just smashed the champagne on his locker because that was a very important thing for a black player to tell Joe Cap. That's why they won a lot of games with Joe Clan. I know for a fact that there is no most valuable Viking. There are only 40 most valuable Vikings. I, I just can't accept this. Thank you. Joe Cap never played again for the Minnesota Vikings. But the men he left behind went on to become one of the league's most closely knit and competitive teams. That is the legacy of this quarterback, whose habit of playing the game from his heart won him the admiration of his teammates, his fans, and even his opponents. Adrian Cap is our guest. We're talking about the book he wrote, Joe Cap, The Toughest Chicano, A Life of leadership. Well, one more note on the, on the Super Bowl. Obviously, uh, I guess not the happiest memory if you're a Vikings fan, but uh, uh, your dad really kind of took a beating in that game. The Chiefs somehow uh, got to him a lot, and Joe, really, uh, you could just see if you get to watch that game. That's available on YouTube as well. Uh, uh, almost looked like he had trouble breathing at one point. So many hits he took to the to the body. But uh, did he talk about that much uh, in later years, or he just kind of put that out of his mind? There's no question. He took a, a uh, extra beating in that in that uh, Super Bowl game, um, you know. On, I think it was a bootleg that he ran where Aaron Brown got him and right. landed on him, separated his shoulder. Um, you know, he he called that knowing it was coming, but uh, you know, the competitor just fights to the end, and uh, he he was he had tremendous respect for that Chiefs team. Um, because they really were a talented team, even though the Vikings were favored, they shouldn't have been uh, favored at all, probably. But uh, they certainly shouldn't have been, uh, you know, thirteen point favorites. So, uh, yeah, he he talked about it a lot, but uh, uh, he he did have just tremendous respect for those uh, Chiefs because that was a hell of a football team that uh, a lot of people forget about. I don't know if you've uh, seen the the film. I guess probably wouldn't be one of your family favorites, but uh, that great film that uh, NFL films made with Hank Stram mic'd on the sideline. I mean, it's entertaining, but I guess if you're a Viking fan, you, you probably didn't enjoy that as much as a lot of people did, right? <laughs> well, no. Uh, we've seen the film many times, and uh, you know, we know that it has high entertainment value, but particularly for the for the Chiefs fans. Uh, yeah, that that's tough to watch. It was, uh, uh, you know, a, a game that uh, they they certainly didn't play their best football, um, and uh, you know they got beat by the better team that day. And uh, the the thing about the Super Bowl is you never know if you're going to get another chance. Right. And uh, you know Joe didn't, and and I know that that uh, that stuck with him. 
for a long, long time uh, because, you know, of the competitor. When you get to the level of, you know, playing for the world championship, um, you know, you, you, you don't get there unless you're a tremendous competitor, unless you think that you can, you can, you can win and beat anybody. And so to not be able to get back there, uh, is very frustrating. It could even be haunting for guys. And so, um, as much as it's healthy to, to move on and, and set it aside. And for the most part, uh, he and the other guys have done that. Uh, there's something that always sticks in you that, uh, you know, you wish you could, you could have had one more shot at it. We were recently with that 69 team. The Vikings did a nice reunion for the guys, mm-hmm. uh, at the, at the beginning of the season. And I know that, uh, uh, as, as long as it's been, uh, there's a lot of feeling like that, that, boy, we wish we could have had one more shot at it to give the, you know, to get that championship for the Vikings fans. I guess uh, you don't like the phrase matriculate the ball down the field, boys, huh? <laughs> no, matriculate the ball down the field is not one of our favorites. Well, I won't say it again. <laughs> but I know next year, I believe, uh, I saw in an interview, the next year they put those two teams together again, and uh, and the Vikings got a little bit of a revenge in the first game of the next season. So uh, they, they beat up the Chiefs yeah, pretty good. That's right. It's, uh, you know, the Chiefs kind of faded after that game. It was their, kind of their finest hour. They they kind of faded out and uh, weren't really a relevant team for at least another 20 years. Right, right. The Vikings obviously went on to three more Super Bowls. Unfortunately, they weren't able to win those. Uh, I really believe, not that it matters, and of course I'm the most biased person <laughs> on, the, on the question, but I really believe if, if Joe had another chance uh, with the Vikings uh, in that game, they'd, they'd have won that game. They, the first uh, Grey Cup game, they lost to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, the BC Lions, and then they played them the very next year and beat them. So I, I always kind of felt that that would happen with the Vikings, but uh, that wasn't meant to be. And so, you know, you, there's no crying in football. You just uh, you, you pick up and you move on. And um, fortunately, he was able to get back to, football after his lawsuit and got to coach his alma mater and had some had some tremendous uh, wins and including uh, a game against Stanford knocking uh, John Elway's Stanford team out of the bowl game with the play and the play has just been voted the most uh, the greatest play single play in the history the 150 year history of college football by the sporting news committee so uh, he was part of that, and I don't think that ever would have happened unless he was part of it, even though he was the coach. He didn't do anything on the field. Uh, it was a game that he brought to the uh, to practices on Sunday of uh, kind of a, a rugby game where you could only lateral, uh, no real other rules. But uh, the guys on that kick return actually had, had done a lot of lateraling all season long, and so... Uh, when their time came and they only had four seconds to, to score and win, uh, they were they were they were ready at least readier than uh, most teams are when <laughs> you know there's four seconds left in desperation. So 
that was always a happy ending in my mind for him in football because uh, uh, to beat Stanford for Cal was a huge deal. And uh, as a coach, he coached three wins uh, out of five over them. Um, as a player, football player, he won two out of three as a starting quarterback. And in basketball, because he was also a basketball player at Cal, all right. I don't think they ever lost. I don't think they ever lost to Stanford. So um, that's a big deal out west here. Um, and uh, Cal finally beat Stanford in football this year after nine years. So maybe we got things going in the right direction. <laughs> and again, your dad, uh, after he finished playing, like you said, he, he coached, but he also, and again, I remember watching him on several shows. He would be kind of a guest star on a lot of the, you know, the, the, the crime shows, the adventure shows. Uh, he was an actor, did a lot of TV in, in Milvies, didn't he? Yes, he did. Uh, he, he did a, he was involved in TV and motion pictures for about 10 years. Uh, mostly as an actor, I think he did about 50 TV shows, uh, including, uh, you know, Police Woman and right. uh, uh, Six Million Dollar Man, some of those. And then he was in seven uh, feature films, uh, including The Longest Yard, which was his favorite and, and probably his his biggest role. And uh, uh, that original Longest Yard movie, you know, we think is a, a classic, and uh, he really enjoyed working with the director Bob Aldrich, and helped him work out some of the gags in that movie. Uh, and, for Burt uh, Reynolds, right? With Burt Reynolds, and and Burt was a uh, a good football player. He played some college football at Florida State, right. and so they brought a lot of uh, ex football players uh, in for that movie. Uh, Ray Nitschke, Mike Henry. Uh, Sunny Six Killer, uh, my dad obviously, but uh, the football in that in that movie looks pretty real. And it does yeah. Joe had a, had quite a bit to do with that, uh, but it it really came out well, and it's it's a lot of fun to watch the longest yard from time to time. <laughs> and we mentioned before, uh, you know, the uh, effects of football. We've all heard, uh, you know, the sad uh, stories of it. And I know your dad uh, a few years ago. Uh, uh, came out very bravely. Said he's suffering from uh, the uh, the mental effects, uh, Alzheimer's diagnosis. Uh, uh, first of all, how's he doing? And I know he's also said a few. I saw a couple of clips that he's going to donate his brain to science when the time comes. So he's going to do that, right? Yeah, he is going to do that. I think it's important that uh, we find out if he's got CTE. I think it's. I mean, I'd be shocked if he didn't. Um, but uh, he's doing well. Uh, his uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, is, uh, uh, you know, every, everybody's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. We're very fortunate he still knows who we are. Uh, he's usually in good spirits, but uh, his short-term memory is completely shot. Right. And that can be real frustrating. Uh, and sometimes he gets real frustrated that, but in general, I think he uh, he's doing well, and you know we're we're fortunate that uh, you know he's still he's still with us. He knows who we are. He's able to um, uh, you know have have some quality of life. Physically, he can get around okay. I mean, the knees are pretty good. Yeah, he's not going to be uh, running a bootleg or tackling <laughs> anybody. Uh, <laughs> But uh, he he's mobile and uh, right. 
he does have a lot of pain. He has a lot of aches and pains, and uh, yeah, but uh, he's still up and around. Yeah. yeah, and I know a guy like that. I think I've heard him in interviews say he wouldn't trade it. I mean, he wouldn't trade it for what he accomplished in football. All those guys say they do it again. So it's it's that type of thing, right? Even though you suffer for it later, I think they 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 would have done it again if they had the choice. Yeah, I think most guys would say that. Um, and I, I know he would say that, but uh, it's uh, it's almost like a I don't want to say a obsession or a disease, but there's something there's something to that, you know, that yeah. you would you would put yourself through uh, so much damage uh, for the love of the game. But they do it, and they're still doing it. Um, it's the ultimate team sport. I think that's why everybody loves it so much. Everybody has a you know, a, a small role. Some of them are a little bigger, obviously, but uh, uh, people can relate to that, you know, doing their job and uh, coming up with uh, a group result because that's basically what we all do in our, in our other aspects of life, right? So I think that's why football is so, uh, uh, so popular and people are so interested in it. Yeah, no doubt. Well, the name of the book, and we want to encourage everybody uh, listening today uh, to get it. It's called Joe Cap, The Toughest Chicano, A Life of Leadership. We'll be talking with uh, J.J. Cap, who uh, who wrote the book. And, uh, J.J., I know you have a website, or give out wherever people get the book. I know, I guess, all the, the book sites have it, but uh, I know your website. Give whatever you, out you want that people can get it. Yeah, uh, com uh, has a lot of nice information, and can lead you to where you can get it. You know, it's Amazon, ataskabooks.com, and um, I think Barnes & Noble has it too. But uh, if you go to jocapbooks.com, you'll be able to get the book. Uh, the uh, Bob Phelps is a co-author along with Ned Averbuck, and uh, I want to mention that because those guys, I think, help make this book something special, and uh, we're really appreciative of you having us on today. And, uh, I think the book, uh, we're real proud of it. I think it's more than just a, you know, trip down memory lane. There's a lot of substance there. Uh, and, uh, I think people will enjoy it. There's, there's humor, there's substance, uh, and there's history. So I think there's a lot of uh, things for a lot of people. Well, we'll put a link as well on uh, on our postings on, on all the social media. But, uh, J.J., really pleasure talking to you. I know we went a little over, but uh, you had such great uh, stories here. You wanted to keep talking. We could talk a couple hours about uh, about your dad. But uh, ho- hopefully we'll do it again down the road. But uh, tell him, uh, I know my broadcast partner, Don's out in Vegas. He wanted to be with us tonight. But uh, uh, he passes along his best because he covered a lot of those games back in the 60s and 70s with the Eagles broadcast team. So uh, he, know, he knew Joe Cap quite well. Yes, well, we'd love to talk to Don uh, anytime and happy to talk again. But uh, this has been fun talking to you, and uh, uh, we really appreciate it. Please give your dad our best. Again, uh, like I said, the first Super Bowl I watched. So your dad was one of the first quarterbacks that uh, said, hey, that guy knows how to play. So uh, it was a good part of my football <laughs> life growing up. So uh, I hope, I hope uh, he enjoys hearing that from fans because uh, we all remember him. Well, I, I sure will, and uh, I'll see him in a couple of days, and I'll definitely uh, let him know. And uh, we appreciate the the interest; we really do.
endless game. Skull Vikings, honor your name. Go get that first down, then get a touchdown. Rock up, suck up, fight, 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 fight. Go Vikings, run up the score.